Hello, this is Diksha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Wednesday, the 14th of April. With more than 180,000 cases, India reported its highest single-day spike in COVID-19 infections since the pandemic began last year. The overall COVID tally crossed 1 crore 38 lakh. More than 1,000 fatalities linked to the virus were reported in the last 24 hours and the death toll now stands at over 1,72,000. Meanwhile, the central government announced today that Class 10 CBSE exams will be cancelled and Class 12 exams postponed. The decision was taken by the Prime Minister and the Union Education Minister in a meeting this afternoon. Now for COVID updates from different states, The Maharashtra government announced fresh restrictions last night to contain the spread of the virus. The government banned gatherings of more than four people across the state and said that only essential services will be allowed to operate. Restaurants can only offer takeaways and home delivery. The new curbs will come into effect from 8pm on Wednesday for 15 days. In a live address, Chief Minister Udhav Thakre pointed out that the state was facing an oxygen shortage and urged the central government to deploy the Indian Air Force to deliver oxygen tanks. Uttarakhand's Haridwar, which is hosting the Kumbh Mela, has reported more than 1,000 COVID-19 cases in two days, 594 on Tuesday and 408 on Monday. Thousands of devotees have gathered in the city for a ritual bath in the Ganga, even as COVID cases continue to surge. Odisha, meanwhile, joined the list of states reporting vaccine shortages, with the state government stopping the vaccination drive in 11 of its 30 districts yesterday. Scarcity of vaccines has been reported in at least nine other states so far. Despite this, the central government maintains that there is no shortage of vaccines in the country. Union Health Secretary Rajesh Bhushan said yesterday, and I quote, The problem is of better planning, not vaccine shortage, unquote. Even as the number of COVID deaths show an uptick, reports suggest that at least two states are under-reporting their fatality count. Scroll reported today that in Gujarat, more people are dying of COVID in hospitals than the government is reporting. The report said that regional newspapers and channels have been pointing out the discrepancies over the last three days. On a day when the state officially counted 20 deaths in Ahmedabad, a local daily called Sandesh reported that at least 63 people had died in just one government-run COVID hospital. The paper said that its journalists had arrived at the figure by camping outside the Ahmedabad Civil Hospital for 17 hours. Showing a similar trend, NDTV reported that there seems to be an unexplained gap in official and actual figures of COVID-linked deaths in Madhya Pradesh as shown by the number of cremations. The report said that there were 37 COVID-related deaths reported in a crematorium in Bhopal on Monday, while the health bulletin for the day mentioned a total of 37 COVID deaths in the entire state. Now for a brief update on global COVID numbers. COVID-19 has infected more than 137 million people around the world so far, while more than 2.9 million people have lost their lives to it. The central government told the Delhi High Court yesterday that the Nizamuddin Markaz Mosque in the capital could not be opened for prayers during Ramzan. The government said that this was because the Delhi Disaster Management Authority, or DDMA, has banned all gatherings and congregations since April 10 due to the surge in coronavirus cases. The court was hearing a petition filed by the Delhi Vakf Board seeking permission for devotees to pray in the mosque during Ramzan. The mosque has been closed since March 31st last year, when it was vacated after a congregation by the religious group Tablighi Jamaat in the initial days of the pandemic led to a COVID outbreak. 
The center and Delhi police's submission came a day after the Delhi High Court had said that the mosque could be opened for prayers provided the DDMA's COVID guidelines were followed. During the hearing yesterday, Solicitor General Tushar Mehta, appearing for the government, said that all religious, political, academic, social and other gatherings have been barred by the DDMA. Senior Advocate Ramesh Gupta, representing the Waqf Board, responded that he could submit to the court the photographs taken at Karol Bagh's Hanuman Mandir that show a huge crowd and absence of social distancing. He also referred to the Kumbh Mela taking place in Haridwar and asked whether the rules of the central government were not applicable there. Justice Mukta Gupta, who was hearing the case, asked the centre to file an affidavit detailing the manner in which the DDMA guidelines are being followed. Responding to Ramesh Gupta's contention on the Kumbh Mela and other religious places, she said that the affidavit was for the centre to submit on record that all other gatherings have been stopped. Meanwhile, Uttarakhand CM Trirat Singh Rawat said yesterday that the Kumbh Mela in Haridwar could not be compared to the Tablighi Jamaat congregation at the Nizamuddin Markaz last year. Making his case, the minister argued, and I quote, They, meaning Markaz attendees, were all inside a building, and here it is out in the open. And this is near the Ganges. The flow and blessings of Maganga will ensure that the coronavirus does not spread. The question of a comparison does not arise. Unquote. On Monday, over 28 lakh devotees had turned up at the Kumbh Mela to take a dip in the Ganges, in clear violation of COVID norms. Speaking of last year's Tablighi Jamaat congregation, it was banned for being a quote-unquote super-spreader of COVID. The reaction to it had exposed deep-rooted stigma against the Muslim community, prompting waves of hate speech and even business boycotts. Can you guess who played a crucial part in giving the event a communal narrative? A section of the mainstream media. So much so that even the Supreme Court criticised the media's coverage. Questioning the central government over its inaction to curb the coverage, the court had said, and I quote, Fair and truthful reporting normally is not a problem. The problem is when it is used to agitate others. There are broadcasts, programs that definitely have the effect of instigating people, not just against one community, but any community. Why are you blind to them? You don't do anything about it? Unquote. News Laundry had covered in detail how some news channels and newspapers came straight down to bigotry and hate speech while reporting on the Tablighi Jamaat. Here's a quick example. India TV flashed banners like Corona Aya Molana Laya and Super Spreader Molana. Z News's Sudhir Chaudhary accused the Jamaat of lying and betraying the nation in the name of Islam. To know how these weren't even the worst things that were said on TV and print news, I urge you to read two reports on newslaundry.com after listening to this podcast. Anna Priyadarshini's report titled Audit of Bigotry How Indian Media Vilified Tablighi Jamaat Over Coronavirus Outbreak and Ayush Tiwari's report titled Coronavirus and Nizamuddin TV News Returns to Bigotry with a Bang. I'm sure these reports will tell you a whole lot about the state of our mainstream media. While you can't count on them to change anytime soon, you can support us to get factual and accurate news. News Laundry is a 100% ad-free, independent news platform. We don't take funding from the government or corporates so that we can bring out stories that matter without having to answer to anybody except our subscribers who pay to keep us free. So, if you want factual news and not drama, lies and bigotry, go to newslaundry.com and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner today. Lowest subscriptions start at just 300 rupees a month. After the Election Commission's 24-hour campaign ban on her was lifted, 
West Bengal Chief Minister Mamta Banerjee today visited the families of those killed in the Kuchbehar firing during the fourth phase of the assembly election. Banerjee said that those responsible for the killings will quote unquote be tracked and brought to book. On April 10, four men were killed in firing by the Central Industrial Security Force. In another incident, one more person was shot dead after being dragged outside a polling booth. Banerjee had earlier said that her government would start an inquiry into the killings. She had also questioned the Central Security Forces version of firing on voters in self-defense. On Monday, the Election Commission had banned Banerjee from campaigning for 24 hours for her remarks about the Central Security Forces, calling them highly insinuating and provocative. The EC said that the incumbent chief minister had violated the model code of conduct by allegedly asking voters to attack Central Security Forces. and for appealing to muslims to vote against the bjp banerjee sat on a 3 hour dharna to protest the poll body's decision on tuesday campaigning for the fifth phase of assembly elections in bengal is scheduled to end this evening as the election commission has extended the silence period from 48 hours to 72 hours the decision was taken following the poll related violence in the fourth phase the violence in sitalkurchi has been in the news for more than 4 days but what do the people on the ground have to say about it News Laundry's Manisha Pandey and Parikshit Sanyal reached the Jorpatki village in Sitalkurchi to piece together what happened. In their latest round report, they spoke to five eyewitnesses to the firing, family members and neighbors of the slain men and several other villagers. Their versions were consistent. They were angry with the media for its quote-unquote lies and they say that central forces fired into voters lined up outside a polling booth without provocation. To know more, go to newslaundry.com and read the detailed ground report titled "Kuchbehar Killings: Central Forces Fired at Queue of Voters, Not a Mob." While you're there, I also urge you to check out our extensive election coverage under the Assembly Elections 2021 section. The Supreme Court yesterday asked all state governments to provide details on the number of migrant children in their respective territories. The Apex Court also asked about the steps taken for their welfare amid a surge in the pandemic and the benefits given to them. Senior advocate Jaina Kothari filed the petition on behalf of the Child Rights Trust for the Protection of Children during the pandemic. The NGO alleged that the migrant children were denied access to basic requirements like health, food, education and good housing. A bench headed by Chief Justice of India S.A. Bobde directed the states to file their responses. The plea said and I quote Although there have been marked efforts by the respondents to provide migrant workers with welfare measures, no report has emanated from the central or the state governments which detailed relief measures extended to women and children who are stranded or in relief camps and in quarantine centers at source districts. Migrant children will be denied their fundamental right to education, health and nutrition if the matter is not heard and appropriate orders passed by the court. Unquote. And now for an international update. The Suez Canal Authority on Tuesday seized the ship MV Evergiven, which also has a 25-member Indian crew, over its owner's failure to pay an amount of $900 million, news agency AFP reported. The chairperson of the Suez Canal Authority, Osama Rabi, told a state-run newspaper in Egypt that the compensation was calculated on the basis of losses incurred by the grounded vessel along with the flotation and maintenance costs the 2 lakh ton ship had got diagonally stuck in a narrow but crucial global artery in a sandstorm on march 23rd 
This had triggered a six-day-long effort by Egyptian personnel and international salvage specialists to dislodge it. At least 369 vessels were waiting to transit the canal when the blockage was cleared. Maritime data company Lloyd's List had said that the blockage by the vessel had held up an estimated $9.6 billion worth of cargo between Asia and Europe each day it was stuck. Egypt also lost $12 to $15 million in revenue each day the waterway was closed. A spokesman for the company that owns Ever Given declined to comment on the compensation while discussions with the canal authority are underway. The company said that the crew is still on board the ship, which is now in the Great Bitter Lake. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.